Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Margaret Tolliff. Welcome to Axios Recap, where we dig into one big story. It's Tuesday, November 2nd, and we're talking about Facebook's rebrand. Following a slew of new revelations about Facebook's internal decision-making problems, one big question emerged. Is the tech giant poised to face greater accountability anytime soon? Well, all signs point right now to no, from Congress's dysfunction to the millions of Americans who are basically shrugging and continuing to use Facebook in their everyday lives. But there's an even bigger sign that Facebook expects that really in the future it's going to be expanding its role into people's lives. And that's the decision to change the name of the parent company that owns the social media platforms Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp to Meta. This draws on the idea that there is a metaverse. This isn't just about trying to change one company's bad news narrative or courting fickle young people or new investors. It's a bet on futurist vision that what we think of today as the real world, the online world, and the virtual world, that these are all increasingly going to be blurring together as our technology evolves. And that new reality would be the metaverse. Facebook saying that this is not a matter of if, but of how, when, and who gets to build it. And of course, Facebook is planning to lead that charge, in spite of the relentless criticism of its current decision-making. So to understand what all this could mean, we're joined by Axios' managing editor for technology, Scott Rosenberg. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. We're back with Scott Rosenberg, Axios's Managing Editor of Technology. Hi, Scott. Hey, Margaret. Scott, let's start with the name, Meta. Boil this down for us. Why is Facebook changing it? Facebook is at a unique moment in its history. It is hugely successful as a business, but it is now under huge amount of criticism publicly and in Washington and in the media. And a lot of people are looking at this name change as, uh, and assuming that the company is and Mark Zuckerberg are just looking to change the subject. And that's almost certainly a part of it. But the other big part of it is that tech companies really want to be leading the next wave of innovation. Facebook as a social media platform has gotten old. Its users are older. Facebook is worried that it's losing young users. And there's a lot of people who are suggesting that Facebook also is having trouble attracting talent and engineers and keeping its workforce kind of inspired. And so I think with this change, the the bigger picture is that Mark Zuckerberg is saying, we're going for something really big here. We're going to invent the next internet. 
And here it is. It's going to be the metaverse. Let's say that he is trying to make sure that Facebook remains relevant. Can it work? Like Facebook's in the news every day. Is anyone paying attention anymore? Does anyone care what Facebook's doing? Well, that's a great question. And we had a story in Axios that looked at how much people are actually talking about coverage of the most recent kind of revelations about Facebook research. And it seems, you know, that some portion of the public is either tuned out or um, stopped paying attention. The question for, I think, everyone and, and specifically inside Facebook headquarters is, to what extent will any of this uh, scrutiny and this spotlight in the media turn into actual laws or lawsuits or regulations that could actually affect Facebook's success in the market? And right now, if I had to bet, I would say that Facebook will <laughs> will not come out of this too bad. It's still a huge convening authority, right? With millions and millions of people in its reach. I heard what you were hearing uh, from listeners and readers. Oh, Facebook's changing its name. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg is trying to change the subject. But let's stipulate for a second that he's also actually telling us something about what technologists, what software developers think is actually going to be happening in the years to come. Like, forget about whether Facebook's doing it, that this is where things are going. So like, what in the heck is a metaverse? What does it look like? And is there any scenario in which this is not inevitable at this point, that this is kind of where things are going? So the metaverse, the term comes from a, a science fiction novel called Snow Crash, in which people move their in online interactions to a 3D environment. So if you think of a video game, but a video game in which you're uh, having your business meetings or buying things or talking to your friends. And there's a lot of people who have been working on building some version of this future literally for almost 30 years now, virtual reality first, you know, the term was coined and the technology started in the 90s. And it's never quite gone mainstream. And that's partly because the technology itself is still really immature. To enter a 3D world like this today, you have to put goggles on or um, in most cases, actually a, a heavy headset that covers your eyes, you're not able to see anything around you. You're like off in 3D land. And there are people who really enjoy that. There are other people who get nauseous from experiencing that kind of world. Whether it's like 20 years ago and you're playing The Sims or whether or whether you have a Peloton and you, you know, are pretending like you're doing some amazing ride somewhere where you're not actually, nobody is pretending that it's real. It hasn't blurred into reality yet. This is different, right? This would be like if the game became the reality. There are sort of two divergent kind of paths here. And Facebook at the moment and Meta, they're kind of blurring these two paths. One is what you're describing, the 3D world that you go into and that's where you do everything. That's where you work and you play and you hang out with your friends. Then there's also this thing called augmented reality or mixed reality. The idea here is that the digital and the real kind of begin to mix up. You have, say, goggles or spectacles that you're looking through and you're seeing the real world with a kind of digital overlay. 
so that there are 3D objects that you can manipulate that are floating in space in front of you, and you have an avatar that's doing that, and I'm talking to you, you're on the other side of the country, you're manipulating the same object. I think during the pandemic, with people spending so much time in video conferences, there are a lot of people in Silicon Valley who said, oh, you know, we should be doing this better. We should be inventing this more mixed reality future. But again, right now, the only realm in which there's even the beginnings of uh, useful applications for this, uh, again, it's gaming. Just scratching the surface of this, I can think immediately of so many ethical considerations, moral considerations, the gap between people who have access to this technology and people who don't. Part of the American dream is the idea of the meritocracy, but this would completely separate the people who are like really sort of geniuses from the rest of us. I think you put your finger, Margaret, on the biggest question right now, which is looking less at kind of like how will this completely transform the universe and more at like who do we trust to lead us into this world uh, to kind of help build it. If it's going to happen, is Facebook the company that should be ushering it into being? And that's really the crux of the conversation right now in Silicon Valley, where I'm based. Facebook has so lost the public trust on the level of privacy, on the level of ethical preparation for new technologies. It's the last company, I think, that most people would turn to and say, you know, like we're going to be constructing an entirely new dimension to live our lives in. Uh, we'd like you to build it for us. Even if you don't believe that Facebook is somehow deliberately or maliciously kind of messing up in various ways, and I don't actually attribute that kind of intent to them, it's undeniable that they have shown that they're not great at managing all of the incredible human complexity of a digital realm that is at the moment confined to text and images on a screen. And so then you say, well, like, again, are these the people that we want to be thinking through all the, the wrinkles and all of those questions that you just spun out about how we're going to live our lives? And there's a whole lot of, I think, justified skepticism about that. When futurists think about the metaverse, how much is the idea of the relevance of the human body or the idea of immortality woven into the way people think about inventing this kind of alternate reality? You can spend many, many wonderful hours kind of imagining this kind of uh, dimension. I mean, in a way, it's like the nature of fiction itself, right? Every novel is kind of a VR world. It's just, it's all different aspects of the imagination. The problem with, with futurism and futurists is that they kind of fast forward to the finished product and they sort of miss out on all of the um, twists and turns and all of the forces that shape the thing as it's evolving. What we know is that everything we've invented so far in the digital realm has been shaped by the desire to make money and the desire to maximize user engagement in order to make money. You're saying forget about living forever. Think about the next quarterly earnings report. Yeah. And think about how are you going to keep people 
inside this realm to keep it profitable or, or to make back the money it cost you to build this realm. Long before you get to immortality or even the kind of wonders of moving through an alternate dimension, you start to think about like, how do you make sure that people aren't harassing each other and bring all the conflicts and pain of our actual real world existence into whatever world we're building and wherever we're going. I'm 49 years old. I have a daughter who's turning 18 next week. How will the metaverse change my life in my lifetime? How will it change my daughter's life? In the next few years, probably not a great deal. This isn't the first time that the tech industry has promised to create this kind of dimension. And it's still an open question whether this round of promises of inventing this future uh, will actually be delivered on. So there's a chance the metaverse won't happen at all. You remember before the internet came along, we were going to get the information superhighway that the federal government and the telecommunications industry were going to give us. And instead, we wound up with the internet, which was quite a different vision from that. So similarly, Facebook's metaverse may never happen. But some future in which our physical reality and digital reality are kind of mixed up will happen. I think it will make a difference, uh, maybe not so much in your life or mine, but certainly in your daughters or in my sons. They're the same age. Choices we make right now of who builds this, what questions they ask, what incentives they build into the worlds that they're creating will, I think, make a huge difference. Axios is Managing Editor of Tech, Scott Rosenberg. Thank you, Scott. Thank you. Welcome back. Here's what we're watching today. Tonight's election results. From Virginia to New Jersey, from Atlanta and the Big Apple to Boston and Minneapolis, we've got our eyes on several key off-year election races. These races may give us some valuable insights into voter attitudes a year out from the midterm elections of 2022. Virginia's governor's race between Democrat Terry McAuliffe and Republican Glenn Youngkin may show us whether Trump light is a successful model that other Republicans can replicate. Youngkin's been keeping the former president at arm's length, but courting his base. We'll also see whether public schools are becoming ground zero for election fights about COVID and culture wars. In Boston's mayoral race and Virginia's lieutenant governor race, no matter who wins, it will be a woman of color guaranteeing the results will make history in both contests. And in Minneapolis, there's a proposal on the ballot to replace the police department with a Department of Public Safety. Those results may give us a sense of how the passage of time since the Black Lives Matter protests of 2020 and the historic spikes in crime during the pandemic have left voters feeling about the police. We'll dig into election results tomorrow on Axios Today, our morning sister show, and back here in the afternoon. Now, before we go, we'd like to recommend another podcast you may like. Join Quartz Obsession every week as reporters from their global newsroom dig into the most fascinating facets of an object, where it came from, how it got to us, and what it can tell us about the forces that are changing the way we live and work. From the economics and technology behind instant ramen and sweatpants to the history of QR codes and more, let's discover more together. Listen to Quartz Obsession wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow afternoon for another episode of Axios Recap with me, your host, Margaret Tolliff, 